Today's guest is Katie Karinas. About 30 years ago, she died and came back to life. And today we're going to learn about her experience. Katie, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you and welcome. Thank you. All right. So I like to jump right into it. Can you please uh, tell us what happened? Oh, I was about 46 years old. Um, about 30 years ago, I didn't know I was a serious asthmatic. I was a silent asthmatic, which means there are no warnings. It just happens. And I'd had these, this problem since my teens, but I'd never been diagnosed. I hadn't because it didn't last long, it always passed, Jeff, so I didn't do anything about it except that my mother was a retired state registered nurse. And one day I, I, I asked her about it because very often I would have these episodes at night and I would um, leave my body, float up to the ceiling, look back at my body, and then I'd be back in it again. That happened a lot. Hmm. And my mother said, oh, don't worry about it. You're probably anemic. I'll get you some iron tablets and some vitamin C, because the vitamin C helps the iron to work. <laughs> that didn't work. But um, as I got older, it didn't happen so much, so I didn't bother too much about it. And then um, I'd come back from the Mediterranean and waited to go home. And it was dawn. I was listening to the dawn chorus because I'd woken up early because I was excited to get home. And um, my partner lay at the side of me, he was fast asleep. And I really would have liked a coffee, but I didn't want to disturb him. I'd get out of bed and go downstairs. So um, I just lay there thinking about the vacation we'd had and everything and going home quite happily, you know, ruminating over everything. And then I felt the tightness in my chest and the difficulty breathing. And I thought, oh, here we go again. And I thought, well, okay, I'll just stay still and it'll pass. And I'll lay there for a while. But it didn't pass. It just got worse. And then it felt, it felt as if um, a truck or a train had landed on my chest. It, it, was, it, was, it was awful. I couldn't breathe. And, um, and, the next, and the pain was terrible. Next moment, you never guess, I catapulted out of my body. Shoot. And then... I was to the right of my body, looking down over it, utterly confused. <laughs> um, but all the pain had gone and everything. And I was utterly fascinated with my own body down there. And I seemed to be staring at it for a long time. And I felt sorry for it. And then I realised... I was dead. I realized it was just a shell. But I was alive. I was still me. That was amazing. But I felt weird. And then I got, I got, I got bored looking at it. Um, I thought, gosh, what, what's happening to me now? You know, what's going to happen? 
I was a bit concerned. And then to the left of me, in the corner of the room, I saw a grey mist, grey dark mist. And I thought, ooh, what was that? I was aware of everything in the room, not in detail, but, but then this mist appeared, like a blob of mist. And I thought, oh, what's that? And as I thought that, it pulled me into it. And um, sort of sucked me into it. And then I found myself in a dark tunnel. But it wasn't, it wasn't nasty. It wasn't scary. The darkness was comforting. It was nice. And I stayed there for a short while. Um, fascinated. And then I shot into a, a vortex-like thing. And, and I had my arms outstretched in front of me. And I was flying through it at terrific speed. But I didn't decide to put my arms inside in front of me. My trajectory wasn't even my doing. And I could see at the end of this vortex, which seemed to go on for thousands of miles, was a tiny white light. And as I focused, focused on it and as I traveled, it got lighter and it got bigger and bigger and lighter. And then my vortex was awesome. It, um, it enveloped me, surrounded me in a sort of a golden light. But the light turned into colours and changed colours, but pastel colours, not overwhelming colours. And they changed within the golden light, within the vortex, as I kept travelling. And I thought, oh, I like this. This is nice. It was exciting. And I knew my destination was that white light at the end of the vortex. But I, I was in no hurry to reach it because I was enjoying myself. It was exciting. It was pain-free. And I was still me, very much me. And um, after a long while, somebody joined alongside me. A being joined alongside me and spoke to me telepathically with a voice into my head. And it said to me, your body is indeed dead, but you are safe. And I thought, well, I know my body's dead. I know I'm safe. I'm all right, thank you. And we continued together with my escort. But the voice of my escort, I call it my guardian angel, was the voice, beautiful voice, of either my late grandfather or one of his sons, my late uncles. Their voices were very similar, and I loved them all. But of course, by the time I was adult, they were dead, you know. I loved my grandfather. I think it might have been more my grandfather. But I couldn't see him, but I knew he was at the side of me. But thinking about it, I was zooming very fast with my arms outstretched. And all I was concentrating on was that white light. And he escorted me for a long, long while. And um, then I thought of my, my two grown-up children. One of them was hovering about. And I'd forgotten about them. But then I had been on vacation, which did frequently, so... We did have times apart, you know, 
so I suppose that was understandable. But as I remembered my daughter, and as I was still traveling, at the same time, I became part of her consciousness. I became part of my daughter's mind. And it wasn't scary. It was absolutely beautiful. And Jeff, I didn't know. I didn't know she loved me so much. And it was lovely. I wanted to stay with her. But I knew I couldn't. And um, I, I told her I loved her. And I said my goodbyes. And I said, it's only... It's only for this time, you know. We will be together when it's your time. Because I knew all this. I knew lots of things as I was traveling. I've got most of them now because I think the portal of your brain, when you come back into the biological body, it's shut off, you know. Although I think a part of it is still open because I've had so many experiences. So many. Met my first husband before I even met him physically. Unbelievable. So I said goodbye to her and I carried on traveling. And then I thought of my son and I became part of his consciousness. Oh, it was wonderful. And um, I told him I loved him and I had to leave him. He said my goodbyes. That was awful. That was heartbreaking. Traveled on a long, long way with my escorting, I call guardian angel relative and it was wonderful I was enjoying everything and as I got closer to the white light my vortex became transparent and I could see the universe it was so exciting and then I reached the end of my vortex I reached the edge of it and you'll never guess what I saw. What loomed up in front of me. Similar, I don't know if you can see that behind me, can you? Can you see that behind me? It's mm -hmm. a poster, similar to yours. Yeah. Um, I saw... I saw this planet. And this planet was absolutely massive in the background of the universe. No, the universe was in the background. This planet was, was awesomely, outstandingly gorgeous. More gorgeous than the pictures we see of the world from space. It was incredible. But what? But I could feel my dead relatives, my late relatives, and all the animals I had lost, you know, my late animals. And they were delighted and waiting for me cross from my vortex to that planet which I I regard as heaven, what we call heaven and um, you never believe it I suddenly remembered my little four and a half year old boy I forgot all about him he was in and out of hospital at the time, he wasn't with me at the time I crossed and I thought oh, and I said with my mind telepathically to my escorting relative, Angel, I said, oh, who's going to look after him now? And um, 
within a flash, he said to me, um, this need not be your time. You decided. And I thought, oh, I didn't know I decided. But then my heart was in shock because I didn't want to leave my little boy. Oh, but before that was said, before he said that to me, I was about turned. And I could see right down through the vortex. I could see through the dark tunnel. And who was standing there? I could see my little boy. And he was sobbing his heart out for his mum, for me. And that sent shockwaves through me. And, and then, of course, I was told, this need not be your time. You decided. And I thought, Why did, I don't want to go back. I didn't know I decided. But on the other hand, I knew I couldn't leave him. Um, he was a very sick child. He's robust and everything now. He's in his 30s, um, which is a miracle in itself. And, um, and then I was about turned again because I had, after seeing him, I, I was looking at the beautiful planet. And as soon as I was told, this need not be your time, you decided, I was about turned again and speeding backwards through that vortex and then through the tunnel. And as I went through the tunnel, it, it became dark. But this time it wasn't comforting. It wasn't nice. I didn't like it. And I panicked a bit. But while I was panicking, pretty quickly I was through it and then back in my body. And my my body took a breath, and then it breathed beautifully. Mm. And it's breathed ever since, obviously. Um, but I was so happy. I was over the moon. I wanted to tell everybody, we actually go on. It's true. We don't die. We actually go on. But you see, I was so excited, so happy. I wanted to tell the world because I had been brought up strict Presbyterian. And we believe, I was taught that once the body's dead, it's dead. It waits in the grave for Jesus to return with his angels. After a thousand years of being in the grave, he would return with his angels and resurrect me. Nothing like that happened. And I'd studied this theology for five years. Um, but nothing like that happened. As Jesus said when he was on the cross to Barabbas, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Well, that's where I was. Immediately, my body, my spirit left my body. I was in paradise. To me, it was paradise. It was wonderful. So, um, yes, that's it. So, I don't want to mm, uh, theorize lots of things around my experience. I just want people to know about my experience, what happened, and the fact that we go on. Mm -hmm. That's my story. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. Thank when you for listening. <laughs> Why? Um, when you communicated with your daughter and your son, once you came back, did they acknowledge that communication that no. they had with you? Or it was no, just... they do not know to this day. Ah. They don't know. Mm. It was dawn. We were both asleep. Mm -hmm. They don't know. 
when yes. you when you saw that planet do you think that it was not earth and if not it didn't it didn't seem like earth no interesting do you have any idea what planet that was i call it heaven because i knew my loved ones were drawing me to it mm-hmm. my late loved ones and animals were drawing me to it mm-hmm. and i could feel their excitement within my soul spirit that's all i can call it whatever we are when we leave our body whether it's soul or spirit it's, it, it that's the name we've given it isn't it yeah did you say that you were adopted oh no adopted no oh, okay i must have misheard you no well that's a story in itself but yeah. i'm not adopted <laughs> i was brought up with my real mother but the mother on my birth certificate oh. i don't know why you said that oh. it's not my mother so how have you changed since your experience? Oh, changed. Oh, gosh, enormously. Changed my life, changed the life of my children. I'm so proud of the things I've done. Before I had that experience, I could not have spoken to you like this. I, could, I couldn't talk to people. I'd had a very abusive childhood, and not my mother's fault, and not my maternal family's fault. I had an abusive alcoholic father. There was lots of starvation. There was lots of fleeing from him. There was lots of him trying to kill my mother. But no other reason except alcohol turned him crazy. Mm. So we were always on the run. But I went into myself. I avoided people. Couldn't Mm. talk to people. Mm. Oh, I started work at the age of 12 and a half because the only income my mother had was what they called family, the children's credit, nothing for family, just children's credit, which was hardly anything. So well, she couldn't work, she was ill, she died young. So um, although I was dealing with people, hundreds of people in a day, I couldn't talk on a one-to-one level with them. But um, my dying experience changed all that. It gave me confidence gave me courage because I'd been I'd been brought up in such a religious environment and yet it was so abusive. Mm. And my mother was wonderful, but she was a control freak. <laughs> but um, we're all here to learn lessons apparently. And I feel that's true. Mm. Oh I didn't I hear about people they say they had a, a life review. I didn't have that. Mm. And there was lots of opportunity I could have had one because I was in that vortex surrounded by this loving golden pastel-colored vortex that kept changing colors within the goldenness, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And it seemed, I seemed to be, I would have said I was doing that for a couple of days, but it could have only been, you know, half a minute or so. Do you think that you saw colors that you can't see here on Earth? Yes. They, I can't create those colors. You know, I, I love to um, paint and things like that, but I can't create them. Hmm. Yes. But also, my life changed tremendously because it gave me the courage to get away from my partner who was a real big control freak. Mm. So that happened, although it broke my heart because I did adore him, 
but life wasn't easy, you know. Uh, it, it gave me the courage. I went out there, I faced the world, and gave myself and my children a better life. But not long after that happened, oh, well, I was escorting 100 children with four other teachers. I'm not a teacher. I was just a teacher's assistant um, to France. <laughs> but the night before, um, I'd hurt, hurt my the edge of a gas pipe. As I was crossing the room, turned off gas pipe, not functioning, but it went into my um, into my ankle. My ankle swelled up, and I thought, well, it's too late now to, to get somebody to go instead of me. So I thought, well, I'll keep it up, and overnight, by resting it, it'll probably go down. And it did. But by the end of that day, it was a day trip. At the end of that day, it was swelling swollen. Oh, the children were so good. They were looking after me. They were so attentive. But um, I got home and um, my daughter was going to look after my little boy. So um, I decided to spend the night with my daughter, my daughter's house. And um, oh, it got so bad. I couldn't, I was crawling to the low loom, which woke my daughter and son. And they wanted to know what I was doing. And so the next morning they took me to the hospital and I'd torn a tendon. <laughs> but I, I got to my own home that evening and I couldn't get up the stairs, so I slept on the settee um, downstairs. And I awoke about five o'clock in the morning and I thought at the end of my bed, my settee, I thought, Oh, what's going on there? And my late mother was standing there. Oh, gosh. She died in her early 50s, and I loved her very much. And she was standing there, but she was standing between the settee, the back of the settee, and the wall. And the back of the settee was flush to the wall, so there was no way she could have been standing there, but she was there. And her arms were lifting through my leg. Her arms were going through my leg. And um, I watched her doing this, and the penny dropped. My, my foot had got stuck down between the arm of the settee and the cushion, you know, it was stuck. And I realized she was trying to lift it. Um, so I sat up, and I physically lifted my leg. And as, as I lifted it up, she started to fade away. And I said, oh, mum, don't go. Please don't go. But as I was saying it, she faded away. Oh, it was a wonderful experience. Hmm. Wasn't that amazing? Then, a couple of years later, um, I'd gone into my bedroom. And I got my, as I always did, I got my chocolate out of my bedside drawer, table drawer. And I love to watch the 3.15 afternoon film because it was more geared to women, Canadian film, on television, on Channel 5. And as I came out of the bedroom, I was heading towards my armchair. And my mother was standing behind it. And this time I saw her 
through a spectrum of gorgeous light, coloured lights, pastel lights, as I seen in my vortex. And she was so beautiful. And again, I said, Mum, oh Mum, oh Mum. And um, as I was saying it, she was fading away. And again, I said, oh, please don't go. And it was over so quickly. Mm. I couldn't concentrate on the film. I didn't even eat my chocolate. Mm. Then, oh gosh, a little while later, um, similar thing happened. I was getting settled to watch the afternoon film before I start on the evening meal, you know. I walked into my bed. It was a flat, what you call an apartment. Walked into the bedroom to get my little hoard of chocolate I kept in a bedside table drawer. And as I walked into the bedroom, to my right, up in the air, up in the air, it was as if somebody switched a video on, a hologram. And I saw this long, highly polished table, six people sitting around it, four men, two women, and then the gentleman at the end, sitting at the end of the table, with silver hair and gorgeous blue eyes, uh, was keeping them enthralled with whatever he was saying. I couldn't make out what he was saying. I was fascinated. And then all of a sudden, it switched off. As if somebody switched it off. Mm. So again, I did get my chocolate, I did sit down, and again, I didn't, although I had the same one, I didn't take any of it in and I didn't eat my chocolate. So I only told one person about that, my best friend, and she said, Oh, I think you'd better go and see a doctor. <laughs> but um, nearly three weeks later, I discovered the little town that I'm living in now. Um, so I drove into this town, and um, well, I didn't start out until gone three o'clock, and and shops and things close at five, yeah. And um, I I spent too much time over my shopping window shopping and that, but I always had a cafe, in I always had coffee in this cafe when I finished my shopping, uh, two coffees actually, um, that was my routine. Um, but it was shut. I'd left things too late. So it was shut. So I thought, oh, well, I'll make my way back to the car. And I had shopping with me. And um, there was hardly anybody about. I was crossing the road, and I got the same thing happening to my chest. And I managed to get to the other side of the road. I leaned against this wall, but um, I could hardly breathe. I put my shopping down. Um, the young man walked the other side of the road. He was looking at me, but he didn't come to help me. But I realised soon I was leaning against a pub. You know what a pub is, public house. Mm -hmm. I probably thought I was drunk. Um, which was still open because they still had um, tables and chairs outside with brollies around the corner. And um, I, I remembered because uh, this chap in the um, second-hand bookshop, pre-love bookshop, it said to me one time, oh, if you want a good coffee, because I'd said to him, I'm going across the road for my coffees now. I always bought the books that he finished with, and if he said they were good, I would buy them. And he said, oh, if you want a good coffee, he said, you know, you go down the road to this particular um, establishment. And I thought, yes, I would never walk into a pub on my own. <laughs> Thank you. 
But I remembered this and I thought, well, it's still open because the tables and chairs are outside. If I can make my way around the corner, a couple of coffees. Coffee has theophylline, theophylline in it, which is what you have in bronchodilators for asthma, you know, the pumps. It's the same ingredient. Uh, so if ever you need first aid and you haven't got your asthma, have a couple of coffees, strong coffees. So I thought, well, if I could have a couple of coffees and a rest, I might be able to get back to my car. Um, and um, I managed to half open the door, and then somebody came to my aid, a lovely, lovely young woman with long brown hair, reminded me of one of my favourite aunts. And she brought me in, she took my shopping, she took me to the only seat available, it was absolutely packed. I didn't know at the time that all these people had gone to a funeral, and, you know, this, they were all there after that. And um, managed to whisper a couple of coffees, and she did that for me, and she stayed with me, and so I felt a bit better. And um, which which I did as soon as I've had half a cup of coffee. Oh, it makes a world of difference. Mm. And um, and then I realised everybody was looking at me, so I got a newspaper out of one of my shopping bags and pretended to read. Mm-hmm. And um, then when I felt a lot better. Um, I really looked round, and there to the right of me was the long, highly polished table, the four men, the two women, and the gentleman on the end with the silver hair and the startlingly blue eyes. Oh, lovely, lovely man. And, um, and I was staring for quite a while until one of the women looked at me and enough to say, who are you staring at? So I... Pretended I was reading my newspaper a while. I, whew, I was in shock again. And then when I felt strong enough, I thought, right, I'll, I'll get up now and I'll, I'll manage to get back to my car. So as I, w- I stood up and as I was bending down to pick up my shopping, I felt a hand on my elbow, that elbow. And um, the gentleman who'd been sitting at the end with the silver hair and the lovely blue eyes, um, I knew who he was. Before I looked up, because I remembered his voice from my hologram vision, whatever you call it, and lovely voice. And um, he he asked if he could help me to the door with my shopping because he'd noticed I I didn't seem well when I I was coming in. So I just nodded in agreement. He didn't just help me to the door with my shopping. He helped me to my car, Mm -hmm. and he talked all the way. I loved it. I could have stayed with him forever. But I had a little dog in my car as well. And um, we arranged to meet a couple of days later. Well, he became my husband. Hmm. We were only together three years because he died. Hmm. Those three years were happy. So happy. So happy. Um, Oh, lovely. Uh, but I've had other experiences like that, astonishing experiences. Mm. I know that I've got a guardian angel, mm. and I believe it's my grandfather who was escorting me through my vortex. After your experience, do you fear death anymore? Oh, absolutely not. I can't wait. I can't wait. I don't want to leave my... I've got a wonderful family, and they need me, and I... I, I don't want to leave them physically. I know I will not be leaving them, really, 
I don't know what the word is for, it's spirit or whatever. Mm-hmm. I know I'll be with them until it's their time. But I can't wait to get back in that vortex. I can't wait to make the transition from the edge of the vortex into that, what I think is called heaven, mm-hmm. that planet. I can't wait to feel my escorting guardian angel mm-hmm. and to feel the love that I felt in that vortex. Mm-hmm. I, I'm grieving for it. Mm. I want to go home. I felt like it felt like I was going home. Right. After your experience, did you feel like you were lonely or homesick? Um, I feel as if I don't belong here. I feel I'm just biding time because mm. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting all the time to go home. But I don't want to leave either. Right. I've got a good life here. You know, I'm old. I'm very, very ill most of the time. You know, I have my bowels. I've had lots of operations and things in my life. Um, but I'm still here. Mm. And every, every time I think, oh, I can't go anymore, you know, then I wake up and I feel I'm different today. What do you think inspires you most about the experience? Knowing that we all go on. That, I mean, although I was steeped in religiosity, um, and my faith is that, you know, we'll be resurrected. I mean, it was just a faith, you know, it was just a belief. It's completely different to knowing, absolutely different. I know that this isn't the only life we live. We do go on. Not just us, no more go on. Is this experience like a memory that is fading over time? No. Or it never it, fades? It's as if it just happened this morning. Wow. It's as if it's only just happened. It's never left me. It's with me every day. It's with me all the time. Is it like it's inescapable? I, it's inescapable. I don't want to be escaped. I don't <laughs> want to escape from it. You know, it, it, it was... See, it's very difficult to explain it all. Mm-hmm. I haven't got the words. It was wonderful. Do you have any after effects from it that you have to manage? Uh, after effects? Well, yes. Oh, yes, of course. I can't take violence on the screen anymore. I can't watch any violence on the screen. Mm-hmm. I can't tolerate lack of truth. It, it hurts me. I'm no angel. I've made mistakes even since I've come back. One which I really regret. And it, I'm always standing up for other people. It's been my problem since I was little. I can't stand up for myself. No way. But if I see injustice done to others, oh dear. Yes. Uh, yes, so I'm no angel. But despite that, I know I'm loved. I know I'm cared for. I know I'll be looked after when I next go into my vortex. Mm. And the animals, our animals are there. And another thing that happened to me, I was at this seminar in this little town I'm in now one afternoon, and I was so engrossed in what the speaker was saying. And then all of a sudden, something caught my eye at his feet. 
And it was my late dog, one of my late dogs, I hadn't seen for 20, well, it died 27 years previously. And she was, she was running around his feet. I was absolutely astonished. And she looked as real as you look there. Um, and a, a, a coat was glossy and a little white ruff to throat. And I was, a, I was over the moon. I couldn't believe it because a few weeks later I'd been grieving because I'd allowed my ex to have a put down. I think he just wanted a put down because he was jealous. He was that sort of person. And I, I'd grieved. I'd been upset a few weeks later, you know, I'd, I was missing her. And, and then that happened. And, and I was watching her for ages. And I felt that my guardian angel, God, whatever you want to call it, had heard my grief and sent that to comfort me. But as I watched her running around her, his feet, she gradually faded and faded. And she was gone. And then I looked around at everybody and everybody seemed oblivious. You know, obviously only I had seen her. But that's not the only thing that happened to me. I think, or when I used to leave my body, uh, before the big one, I um, those out-of-body experiences, I'd opened um, a vortex in my brain. Not a vortex, what would you call it? I'd opened something up in my brain because uh, my ex and I were in dire trouble because my mother had thrown us out because of his bad temper. Well, thrown him out, but he was my husband, so I went with him. Um, and we were stranded. We had nowhere to go. It was getting dark, pouring with rain. And this relative had always said, you know, if you want to settle in this area, you can stay with us anytime. you know, you just come. So we decided we'd do that when we got there. She changed her mind. And... Um, she made some excuse, so we had nowhere to go. And um, and my ex-husband went on ahead to see if he could find some some B and B or something. But there was a royal visit apparently the next day, and everything was full up. We couldn't find anything. And um, I was to follow on, um, so I could sort out the baby. My eldest is out there at the time. He's 50 now. And um, so I did all that, and we were walking to the bus stop. We didn't have a car in those days. And um, my little girl said, oh, look, Mummy, Mummy, look. There's Uncle on the bus. And I thought, oh, well, that's nothing unusual, because he was a bus driver. Mm. <laughs> but he, he was a passenger. And um, he shouldn't have been in this area anyway. He was uh, He should have been 400 miles away. Well, that's where he lived then. And I looked and it was him. And he was gesticulating to me and he started mouthing something to me. And in the end, you know how slow I am. I'm very slow picking up things. And eventually the penny dropped. Now, I knew the area, but he gave me an address. I didn't know the address. And he kept saying, go, go there, go there. It was his son, and uh, but it was two bus rides away. It was getting dark. But anyway, I met my ex-husband, and he was, oh, you know. And I said, it's all right, it's all right, I know what to do. I've seen uncle so-and-so, and, and uh, he's told me to go to, you know, cousin. And um, 
So we did that because his idea was, oh, we'd get a train to anywhere overnight and at least we'd be dry and safe and then come back in the morning. We didn't have to. I mean, we had the money to buy another house, but, you know, you have to choose one and all that carry on, don't you? And, um, well, got to this relative's house. We were soaking wet. Um, and uh, his wife opened the door. Oh, and she welcomed us in with open arms. And I didn't really know her. We stayed there six months. Hmm. Wow. And so I think even before I had my real dying returning experience, I think the outer body experiences had opened sort of a portal in my brain. Yeah. I was but gonna... I, don't, I don't get anything for anybody else. Hmm. I only get help for myself. And I, I can't do mediumship or anything like that. But then I've never tried. But I do get lots of premonitions. Hmm. Yeah, I was wondering that if something had changed in you where you were able to see other yes. beings from the other side oh, or something. Well, most of my relatives, uncles, aunts, cousins, uh, they've all passed on now because you know, I'm 76 now. Um but most of them come to me and I see them either when they cross in dying or soon afterwards. Normally I see them when they die, lots of them. Mm. And I've got used to it now. I mm. just say, oh, oh, okay, God bless. <laughs> lovely. It's a lovely feeling. It's wonderful, wonderful. Um, but one or two I don't see. I just feel them. And it's always to the left of me. I feel their presence. And it's really strange, Jeff. You and I, every person on the planet, we all have a different energy. And I can feel, I, without the couple that I haven't seen in front of me, I can feel their energy and I know exactly who it is. Hmm. Oh, some friends as well. Yes, late friends as well. Hmm. But I think most of them are gone now. Mm. The only one left. <laughs> All right. Well, let's change gears here. Um, you have a book out. What is the title of your book? Uh, Flying Beyond the Stars. Hmm. Is that available on Amazon? It is. A dark mist appeared, pulling me into the greatest journey of my life. Katie Karinas. Hmm. Traveling past the stars brought me to an overwhelming, amazing culmination of my journeying. Do you have any projects that you're working on that you want yes, to, to Yes, know I've almost finished another one. Oh, really? What is this because book Because it's called Dear John, but never a dear John. Um, because in 2019... 19, um, on the 5th of April, 2019, I'd come out here, made a cup of tea, took it into my bedroom, sneakily, because my son doesn't allow me to do much, so mm. he's my carer, you see. Mm. Sometimes I'm very ill. Often I'm very ill. I'll be very ill tonight, after this, you know. And when I'm that ill, I can't speak. My um, speech goes, I've had two ischemic strokes oh. so, um, anyway so I took my tea into my bedroom 
and I can only sit in a chair. I can't I can't sleep in a bed because I've got a problem with my back. What's it called? Oh, I forgot what it's called. It's a problem with the bone. And um, I, I set my tea down, side of my chair. And as I was about to sit down, he was standing in front of me. And um, I said, oh, I've got his name is Jal in the book. And I said, oh, Jal. And as I said that, he came right through my body. And it wasn't scary, Jeff. It was the most beautiful experience I've had on this earth. I felt every centimetre of his energy. And, um, but it was over too quickly. By the time I got my bum on the chair, he'd gone through me. Hmm. I was walking on air. I was over the moon. Hadn't seen him for 57 years. It was a terribly tra tragic story. A relative had been sending anonymous, malicious, lying letters about him to my mother. So I was sent away. I was tricked. In the end, couldn't get back to each other. Didn't even have a photograph of each other. But he died and he didn't forget me. This is he your father? He visit me. This is your father? No, it was um, someone I wanted to marry. Oh, okay. Not my father. Hmm. Although I love my father, he was an abusive alcoholic. He's been dead decades. Hmm. Yes. Do you have a website? Oh, I do, but I haven't. It's hard for me to do things. I've forgotten what it's called now, but yes, well, I, I will set it up and everything. At the moment, it's just a book. Hmm. Are, you on, are you on Facebook? And if so, if yes, I, yes, Katie Karinas. If people like you know message you and stuff, do you do you respond to people or are you? Yes, okay. yes, and I, I. I put a lot about my experience on there, you know, the same things I've told you, mm -hmm. because, oh, I just want people to know that we do go on. This isn't the only life we, we live. Well, before we wrap it up here, is there one last message that you can share with the audience? Yes. This isn't the only life we live. We do go on. Mm -hmm. The only thing that's required of us in this life is that we enjoy it and be kind to everything else. Hmm. That's all that's required. You don't need bended knee worship. You don't need to go to church. Although I love churches. You don't need all of that. You, you, don't, you don't need any of that. All you need is to enjoy what you can and be kind to everything else. That's all that's required. Hmm. And that's not easy, being kind to everything, for some Sometimes people are very bad to us. But we mustn't go down to their level. Must we? Right. And that's hard. Very hard. And that's the only test I think we've got. All right, Katie. Well, I appreciate that message. And I appreciate you. I'm thankful that you're willing to come on my podcast. Ah, uh, you're very appreciated as well. Yes, well, that's a difficult word for me. You're appreciated well as well because... Because you've given me a platform to tell people that we really do go on. Hmm. It's not a lie. You don't need faith. It's a fact. We go on. All right. Well, thank you very much and have a great evening. And you. And bless you and thank you. Thank you. Bye, Jeff. God bless you and bye-bye. Bye, everybody. 
Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.